Welcome to Hanscom. Play that music. Show me what you. We don't have to. What? Welcome to. Show me. We don't have to. And everybody say, one, one, come on. Welcome to Hanscom. You heard me. It's all about Hanscom. Come on. Welcome to. It's Hanscom's house, baby. This is uh, RFC Extra. I'm Brian Kilby. And with me, I have the same crew from yesterday, Anthony Brucali of TFU.info. Hello. Uh, Eric Crownover of what TF Primecast? Uh, Steel City Bots. Steel that's, City. That's the new name. Steel City Bots, and occasionally, Radio Free Cybertron. This is true. And uh, Diecast. The only reason I'm here is he couldn't find anyone to replace me today. That's not <laughs> true. Uh, but hey, so we're here uh, to talk about uh, day two of Hascon. And I'll admit, I didn't. I I actually went to go do a lot of other stuff today, and I actually took a nap. It was really nice. So uh, you guys will have to really fill in all the details on what actually happened today. I heard you were going to text us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, funny. so basically, uh, yeah, they came into the the hotel room as I was... Kim had to wake me up. And I'm like, oh, yeah, good, I was going to text him. Yeah, you were like, yeah. I was just getting ready to text him. I was just getting ready to text him as he's sleeping. Well, I didn't realize I was asleep. <laughs> as he was snoring. So it's one of those things where it's one of those things where you close your eyes with an idea to do something and you find out that you've been asleep. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> yep, so uh Hascon day two. Um let's see here. I started off my Hascon journey with uh an attempt to uh, do the uh, interview with the Transformers design team, which had been moved from yesterday due to a change in schedule. And I found out today that my that our interview was changed again due to a change in schedule. Uh, not a big deal. Um, they're very apologetic about it, so uh, we, we got it recorded. We'll have it posted this week, uh, but we're not going to talk about it now. But that was most of my convention, other than going to the uh, movie panel and the Florida concert, <laughs> Florida concert, which was admittedly awesome. He's a really good performer. It was pretty was good, impressed. yeah. I didn't know what songs were his, but they were songs that I've heard before, most of them. They, they and were, what you actually heard when the show loaded up was Florida singing contractually perhaps about Hascon. <laughs> he uh, did mention Hascon a lot. Yes. So, um yeah, so guys, what you you what were the highlights today? You went to the Peter Cullen Frank Walker panel. Apparently that was awesome, right? That was awesome. They just goofed uh, off like, yeah, half yeah, the yeah. time. They it was so off, fun to did watch. voices. I'm probably going to go to tomorrow's Peter Cullen Frank Walker panel cuz they just went so far off the rails that yeah, they said they it'd be can't different. do it again. Yeah, it's no not going to be the same a second time around. They, you could tell that they're good friends. You could tell that they're really close. And uh, are they? I feel like they are. Like, it seemed like it. It seemed actually. like. Yeah, it I don't seemed, know if they were before genuine. they started doing these tours together. But I get now, the, I get the feeling because when uh, gosh, I guess it was before the movie. Maybe it's Transformers Prime. There's a panel at BotCon where it was about the two of them, and they seemed very fond of each other. But it's not like they had a, a long-standing friendship. 
So it would be interesting if that really blossomed over the last several well, they, years. Well, they were talking about how they were characters. They were on, um, oh God, we were talking about it a little while ago, but they were they were basically the hero and the, the hero's dog in, in a, the old Hanna-Barbera cartoon that I can't remember the name of right now, but it's the one with the dog who wears the doghouse on his head because he's so ugly. And I don't remember that one. Really I'll old, look it up while you guys are talking. Yeah, and that's pre that's seventies. That's pre so they knew each other then and they worked together you know, muck, through the eighties. Something muck. Uh God, it'll it'll I'm gonna Google. If I'm it's not if it it's not Great Bape, I have no idea what it, it is. It is it is basically <laughs> it's from one of those cartoons from the time where every cartoon that Hanna Barbera did kinda looked like Scooby Doo in some way. It yeah. was like you know, Speed Buggy and uh um, Scooby-Doo, like, everyone had bell-bottoms, everyone had a guy who was like, oh, that's sort of shaggy, and oh, there's a dog. And it's one of those shows, and I can't remember the name of it, I'm sure Don would be able to pull it out off the top of his head. Um, of course he could. But back to the point of, they were, they were, they at least were co-workers yeah. and friends then, and it, I don't know, maybe they grew apart, maybe they were good friends then, and they were, oh, actually they were, because they said in the, they were talking about the recording sessions for season for G1 and they used to record right next to each other yeah and they would goof off so much with each other that they had to put other actors between them oh yeah totally but I just got the impression that uh, Peter Cullen sort of stepped away from a lot of the voice work over the years and especially cartoons because they glorified violence and he just did other things so um, not questioning I'm not doubting the sincerity of their friendship at all but it's just interesting to me that that just sort of scene goes con- somewhat contrary to a, a panel that I saw in the past. Maybe they rekindled their they friendship. They rekindled like their friendship. And they've been kind of stuck together for the last ten years yes. with Transformers. So yeah. They, they, mm-hmm. yeah. And they've been doing these appearances together for, what, two years now? Yeah. So, uh, they, yeah. Um, it creates a working relationship. It does. At least. Uh, so that that was awesome. The cat, so the panel was fantastic. I mean, yeah, Welker definitely. is off the chains crazy just making noise like every story you've ever heard about him making sounds and just doing things and then like interrupting other people's conversations with sounds and sound effects and then trying to get Peter to do things that he knows he can do it, it was just it was it was just fun watching them like you really yeah. could have it was it was great the panel was hosted and it's something i've noticed about the panels today in particular so versus say a botcon where panel is loosely hosted and then usually the the voice talent takes over as the host for the most part and then there's questions from the audience these panels no questions from the audience completely moderated by a host completely moved along by a host so that it wasn't bogged down with hey can you do your characters going through the drive-thru mcdonald's or you know can how do you, i get into voice acting how do i get into voice acting you know those kind of things the questions are, are are there are targeted for the for the presentation, so it's more of a presentation than it is um, an interactive experience. But yeah, it, it was very well done. Although, like you said, this one went a they little went, off the rails. Yeah, so yeah, it even, was, it was yeah even the host said it at one point. He was like, "You should definitely come back tomorrow because it's not going to be the same yeah. since we haven't stuck to our schedule." It's different when the talent takes it off the rails than when the audience takes. Oh, it off definitely. The rails. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. It was definitely in a yeah. positive way. But what else? Uh, I toured Hasbro's headquarters today. Tell me about that. It was really neat. They they have a long history with the building, let alone just the company. So it's interesting to get lots of background, learn about 
the art in particular, they have very little of any Generation 1 art for Transformers because they said they got rid of it. Whenever. Yes, they did. Yeah, they got rid of it because they didn't think it was their property. They had lots of G2 in their archives there. And what was interesting about the G.I. Joe is that uh, a lot of the Generation 1 G.I. Joe art apparently got painted over again for later products whenever they did like repaints and stuff. Like uh, I think it's the Tiger Stripe. Tiger Force. Tiger Force. Tiger Force. Yeah. Brian's yeah. favorite. Yeah. I don't know much I about it. But they literally just took the original art and painted mm-hmm. over it, which I thought was interesting. So they don't have, like, any, they have the originals, but they're painted over, so it doesn't look like the original painting. That, I mean, I love Tiger Force, uh, and I noticed that in looking at the packaging art that back in the day, it was identical to the uh, original art. And I had no idea that how they could have done that, but it makes perfect sense that it was painted over. They did that in G two, also the Transformers. The, so like the Dinobots and and so I think Starscream and a couple yeah, of other for ones, the ones were, that they had. The ones they whatever they had left, some of those got repainted over. But yeah, it's not even like they literally made a copy and painted it. It's the original, like the only original, is now painted. But over. But at least so. they painted over it with Tiger Force and not the other way around. Oh yeah, yeah. Agreed. It's it's neat, but it's just interesting. It, it's like it's weird because they were talking about how that it it's not the original, but it is. So basically, it's two paintings. But it, has, it has a lot of history to it's it. It's more than meets the eyes. It's a painting in disguise. <laughs> and there was a lot of prototypes. Got to see the Unicron prototype. Got to see an Overlord uh, like model that showed like the basic shape of it. It wasn't like a the great... Titans Return Overlord. Or the no, G1. no, like the G1 toy. Nice. So it's is old, but it's just basically the shape of what it's going to be in gray, and it was it was pretty neat. The legs did detach. That was like the only thing that actually had a feature. So is it odd that that would be here instead of in like their London office because we didn't get that domestically? Anyway, I mean, or is that just to be expected that that would be here? I don't know. I think that would be here if it was made for overseas. It's not Japan, so it was probably produced. Takara does have a lot of models. In fact, at the presentation tonight, they had some. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, a lot of people don't realize that Overlord was released in Europe. Maybe maybe even in Australia, but I know definitely Europe. Uh, So it's just odd to me, though, that we would have it here. It could have been. I mean, I. It could have made its way here in a lot of. It could have been a a consideration for late G two, yeah, or or pre G two. You know, if the line the line ended in ninety, right? Overlord was what ninety. Or ninety one, so it could it could have been something they considered before canceling the line. No oh, man, I would love that. Overlord would be much easier to get a hold of instead of you know spending four hundred dollars on one that's yellowed and beat to crap. Yes, but would it be beloved as much if it wasn't so hard to get? Probably not. <laughs> mm-hmm. And oh, just to follow up before, so the name of the cartoon was Mighty Man and Yuck. Cullen was Mighty Man, and Welker was Yuck, Yuck. the dog. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's crazy. One thing I did want to mention is that today was much busier than Friday. Uh, They estimated 3,300 people on Friday. Uh, Today they were expecting 6,000. And it did feel like double. So I think they probably hit 6,000. So we've heard a number thrown around that they would like to have had 40,000. I'm assuming that would be, would have been a cumulative number, and yes. not not at this, all at once, because the building could not. I don't see how it could maintain that. It was really it was 
noticeably crowded today, but not like anyone who's gone to New York Comic Con and you're getting bumped nonstop. It was this was about the limit of what this was close to what my limit of being packed that I would be comfortable with. <laughs> Which is weird. It's just the opposite for me. This felt I, I feel like the pictures are deceiving that it's not that it doesn't look crowded because we have so much space yeah. and everything has been so spread out. Um, and yeah, and comparatively to New York Comic Con, um, you're a sea of people and you're just you're just kind of you're taking baby steps all day. Yeah. And uh, this was like, well, it's good, but I could stop here and tie my shoe and no one's gonna trip over yeah, me kind of thing. And I've <laughs> never been to New York Comic Con, but for me like the thing about the Hascon is it's all about the events. So it was you didn't have to wait in line really to do much of anything. Yesterday there's a little few things you had to wait in line you had for. You wait in line to get vouchers for autographs if that's your thing. And but it, but otherwise, I mean, it was it was nice. It was uh, I I think it was I think there were enough people uh, at the Flo Rida concert. Uh, there was definitely room on the floor. There was room. I took photos. There was room all around. But I mean that that's a good that room's a good estimation of numbers. That's a hockey arena, so that's yeah. roughly twenty thousand people for argument's sake. So they're expecting they were expecting forty thousand this week in over three days. That means they want to fill that room twice. Twice, yeah. Um, could could they have done it? I don't know. Over three days, it, they're they're gonna if they do another three thousand tomorrow. It's still it's still what twelve thousand people, even if it's repeat people, comparatively yeah. to any botcon. Yeah, that, that dwarfs. Yeah, I would think attendances. I would think Sunday would be four to five, uh, right in that number. There's gonna be a peak tomorrow, probably around noon, and it's gonna mm-hmm. die off hard around two o'clock. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Because the families are going to come in, they're going to do their thing, and then they're going to want to go home. So, you know, that's the other thing is like, we look at it as hardcore fans. We look at it as people who are going to this for eight hours a day, three days in a row. Whereas the, the fan, family <laughs> aspect <laughs> of it, you know, a family force come in for four hours tops. You know, they're coming to. Do a couple of things, run around. Someone's getting hungry, someone's getting tired, and then they're going. And then maybe they're coming back, but maybe not. And so that's you know, so that's going to filter people through. So even if we felt like there were six thousand people there at once, those six, you know, if half of those people filtered out and another fifteen hundred came in, then you know you're looking at a bigger attendance than than what we thought. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's much better than I was expecting after the early part of Friday. Yeah, yeah. yeah the con has grown on me. It is. It has grown on me for what it is and not what it's not. Yeah, I have to remember it is not, and I, I harp on this, it's not a replacement for BotCon. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's something different. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. gotta look at this convention like um, like you're dating someone new. Uh, if, you, if you stand there and go, well, this, you know, your new, your new par- uh, partner is you know they don't do this and they don't do that. Uh, no, th- this is its own thing, and you have to appreciate it for what it is. But I've been with the I've been with the old one now, you yeah, know, for, for twenty two years, and this this is hard <laughs> yeah. for me to you know to to start over. I just I'm not, yeah. I think that's the you know the approach. Once you take that look at it through that lens, the the con becomes something a lot more fun and a lot more uh, fulfilling. And I think this is definitely. Uh, 
I would call it a success. From what I've seen and my interactions today, uh, if I forget about all the stuff that I was thinking on Friday when it was a lot less busy, just from my experience today, I don't see how Hasbro could not consider this a success. I agree. Uh, I mean, the small things are the... um I, I heard something and I thought Kim was asleep and she might be, but she is. De- that's definitely like the. No, that's, uh, it's over that's, there. that's that. It's the AC kicking in. Our friend, the AC. Um, yeah, it's fine. Nine minutes and seventeen minutes. Um, but yeah, uh, only the small things are, I think, what they've missed. And there's a lot of small things, and that's part of the learning curve. And I think they've done a great job. Yeah. I mean, I would come back. Absolutely. I just, don't know that I would. Just because of this stuff you can't get. Like, even the uh, Trypticon Crunch poster that we got. Like, it's wonderful. I love it. Oh, yeah. I love it. And I would have never gotten that if I didn't come to this convention. Uh, there, There's some handouts that I've had, you know, received. And it just makes for a complete experience for me. Um I don't need to go to a convention to buy stuff. I don't, but it's a five-hour drive for you. It's a 12-hour drive for me. Yeah, I wouldn't go if and it's that long. But yeah, for me, I don't think it's worth it. But I think that's I think that's what Hazard's banking on. It's that, yeah, it's not a destination. You're not, I mean, some people are flying from all over the world. I met a guy from China today who who we were talking, he knew, my, he knew TFU.info. That's <laughs> we were, awesome. Yeah, because I just, I saw him, he had an Autobot shirt on, I was handing him a thing about the new podcast, and and he's like, I know your site, and, and we were talking for a little, and like that's great, but this is, you know, I would I fly around the world for this one? Absolutely not. If you're in a proximity to it, it's worth the trip. Um, the only thing I would say, I don't know if it's a three day event for anyone. Like, I mean, unless the panels start becoming a little bit more in depth and a little more interesting, they're probably not. But it's, I don't think. Again, I, I don't know if we discussed this yesterday, but we discussed this with each other it's Hasbro's this is a more of a local thing for Hasbro it's more of a look Providence isn't a big city but it's big enough and if you draw a big chunk of Providence then as Hasbro as a company who's based out of Providence and out of this area you're cementing your your foothold as a reputation as an employer around this part of the country and then you have kids going back to school on Monday going hey guess what I did this weekend and that's that's huge for them if on ways they can't measure monetarily. Speaking to Aaron Archer after he left Hasbro, I mean, he he, uh, articulated concerns that the world was changing and that injection-molded plastic from China might not be something that was sustainable. So... What are we moving into from instead of a goods based industry in America, we're moving towards a service based industry and an experience as a service. Mm-hmm. So, if Hasbro can control their intellectual property and sell experiences around it, maybe that's the business model. They want to go the Disney route. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been talking about you that. Said it's their D23, or it's, yeah. it's their attempt at a D23. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, that's, something, that's something that they can have more control around. Plus, they can, that's something they can have in their back pocket in case, you know, again, in, in injection molded plastic fails. I mean, something that was really neat that Eric and I saw yesterday 
um, was that they had a 3D printing machine with like five or six 3D printers in it and an arm that would grab the tray when it's done and you know place the pieces where they where they would need to be what is this for what is it was it in the marvel section it right? was in the marvel yeah. section is this what does it do it it's a mass 3d printer so basically it's it's six 3d printers and a line with a mechanical arm in almost like a sealed container uh or you know almost like a clean room well, what's the point of it that machine that he's talking about with the six 3D printers, they said that costs about the amount of what one 3D printer usually is in the market that they're in, at least. That's why that machine was so unique, at least the people that were explaining to us, is that they they were trying to make it significantly cheaper. So the price of that whole thing, the, like the little mini room with mm-hmm. the six printers and stuff, that's around, around I think, that was said the price of what one really nice one would be. And so it's six doing the job. So that's why they were saying that there's kind of a different approach to it. But it's still, I know what you're saying. Well, to bring it to bring it back to to the to the convention, just as an experience, it's it was kind of neat in that in that um, seeing that section in Marvel. So they they actually broke down the 3D modeling drawing phase. So they yeah. had an artist there um, designing a head for Wolverine. They had the they had the printer there to show you how it prints out. And they show you they print out individual pieces and they give you a print layout that they, they put on a board of the Wolverine body and then how they hand painted for packaging art and for um, product art um, based off of that uh, 3D printed prototype. That's awesome. So, I mean, hopefully if nothing else, that'll help with uh, maybe the length of time it takes something to go from concept to being on the shelf. Yeah. And they said, I was asking them, they use, the, they use that tech for everything. So I said for Transformers, they said, in a way, yes, they use CAD models, but and it's done in Japan, but it's something similar is used, I guess, by Takara. But they use it for Star Wars, they use it for Marvel, they use it for Marvel 3 and 3 quarter, and they use it for Nerf and, and just about everything. What about G.I. Joe? Well, they didn't say G.I. I asked, I asked about G.I. Joe. They said if they, if they were using it If we were making G.I. Joe, Joe, If they were actually making G.I. Joes, yes, they would be using it, because they're not doing the, the cuddle, color model shrinkdowns. I was talking to, yeah. to mm-hmm. the Marvel guy about that a little bit, and uh, he was saying that those were incredibly fragile, and he doesn't think quite... And it was weird. He was telling me also that they made those... So they didn't design the toys at that scale. They designed the toys at three and three quarter, yeah. and then they would whatever I forget what the process is called. But normally they take it from a larger scale and bring it down. They would actually scale the prototype up, and then paint it, and then scale it back down. And not, so they never started at that size. They would. Well, that's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, but they said what happens is when you scale up whatever the machine that they were used to do it, it's not as accurate as when it scales down. So the, the a lot of the detail was lost when they would scale it up to do those paint models. They showed those off during the headquarters tour. They they yeah. gave a, a long explanation on that. So I heard about that today too. <laughs> the other new technology they mentioned was in the uh, Marvel panel when they were saying they're using some new new type of painting for the figures do you remember they like did they call it like 3D painting or i've heard other people talk about it and if you look at the marvel figures from like the last wave oh wait the, do you mean the movie thing they are a lot nicer oh and about the uh, the uh, technology they're using to uh, digitally uh, scan the faces. faces no no that was from they yesterday. actually paint the actual oh. paint 
to the figures, they're using a new technology to paint Interesting. them. Interesting. In the new in the headquarters tour, one thing they did show for the Star Wars is that for the new Qui Gon Jinn series for the black, the new Qui Gon Jinn figure for the black series, um, the problem they've been having in the series is that the eyes look bad. Like no matter what, the way they model it, and then whenever they paint them, it's just not accurate, and so it always looks like they're cross-eyed or something's wrong. I've never seen that before. It's so bad yeah. on the Black Series. But um, with Qui-Gon Jinn, they tried something new, and it was kind of a one-off experiment, and it worked really well because they showed us the prototypes. They made them separate pieces that go inside the like the eye sockets. And, like It's kind of weird how they do it, but the way the head is built in multiple pieces, so the eyes are actual separate pieces that get painted separately and then put in, and it looks great. Now, they this is before they had acquired the new movie scanning thing that they're doing where they scan the actors and they just print their faces, which is what they're going to do from now on. So the new Qui-Gon figure from Would the Would that Black be a way to satisfy like, Optimus Prime's, like, terrible, disgusting appetite for faces? <laughs> you can just print them and give them to him. So we actually know Decepticon actually has to die for Optimus Prime to get one of their faces. Scan me your face. Scan me your face. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I, that was a terrible joke. And I no, apologize. you're fine. I apologize that's for that's that. That's pretty much it. The, the, but the Qui-Gon, the, they said that they were trying out this new method, and it worked really well. But the way they're doing it with the movie scanning now, they don't need to do that anymore. So he, the designer was like, yeah, it was my idea. It was pretty cool. And it, and it worked, but we just don't need it now. So this is literally like the only one that's ever going to be like that. So I thought that was interesting. That, that is neat. There's one figure out there that uses a brand new concept, which worked, but they're just not going to continue. They might it. need to revisit it at some point in the future. Maybe mm-hmm. they decide it, it's more cost-effective to do that. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Or maybe they don't. Oh, another thing I found out today is uh, how the employees are uh, compensated for working. Money. Uh, no, they're all volunteers. <laughs> oh, for the con. Yeah, for the okay. con. It's all Hasbro employees, and they're all volunteers. The catch is, uh, they get off next Friday. Is apparently that's what their compensation is. They get off a day. So it's if they flex open. time. Yeah, they get off a day if they run this, and um, they're all very, very passionate about it, and that's the why they really wanted to do it. Is what they were saying. Well, but wait, yeah, they, they only get one day for working three or two. Yeah, I, I guess. But it's I, a Friday, right? getting off a of Friday. Mm-hmm. People love getting Friday. And I don't know if that's for working every single day. That could be working. They may not be working every day. I was going to yeah. say, they may be working one day. one day. I don't know, but and I did hear someone And the thing it. is, if you have a dedicated workforce of people who love their work, love their job, and are passionate about their customer, they'll do that. Yeah. It looks like Hasbro really is. Yeah, they actually sounded pretty enthusiastic about it when they were talking about it, too. So, Eric, tell us about, um, tell us about the dinner reveals, because I don't think... Uh so, going into dinner, there was a panel beforehand. I'm kind of blanking on what was at the panel beforehand because I'm only thinking about what was after the dinner. Uh, Did they have seafood, Lewis? No, they didn't have seafood. They the had Hall of Fame. Was it the Hall of Fame? Oh yeah, it was the Hall of Fame induction. Uh, so they had all the they had all the actors from the movies. They had the producer, Ed Wahlberg. Uh, what's her name? Isabella. That's her name. Moner. Yeah, Isabella Moner. Um, Peter Collin, Frank Welker, I think that's it. So all of them were out, and they did. They had asked them a bunch of questions. It was like a structured panel, essentially. Um, then they got towards the end, and they announced uh, Sue Blue was in the Hall of Fame, which Colin let spill earlier during the panel <laughs> by accident. He spoiled that, which was kind of funny. But uh, 
that she came out, she told long, uh, not a long story, but a short story about, uh, like, her and Colin, how far back they go, and they, they have some pretty cool stuff they've done. She uh, was also on uh, that show with uh, Mighty Men and... and really? Yeah. He, they mentioned that they had been on other shows together, too. I didn't know that she was on that show, too. But a, a bunch, they share a love for horses, apparently, too. I didn't know that. But um, uh, they gave her, as like, a trophy or something, uh, like, this white plate thing with a Headmaster RC in robot mode, a Headmaster RC in vehicle mode. So she has two. So, Don, you're off the hook. Yeah, you don't have to give her one. She has two. And um, the producer, I forget, his name. They also gave Don, uh, they gave her the extra head for Don's. Oh, yeah, that's what <laughs> happened to it. Yeah, Don's just missing oh. the head. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> they wanted to mess with him. Uh, but the producer for Transformers, he, they, they, there's a long video for him, actually. Subaru had, like, a video of a couple, basically, lines from RC and stuff, and that was it. But, like, there's a long list of a bunch of celebrities thanking the producer of Transformers and congratulating him on being in the Hall of Fame. It was at least a five-minute video, and it was, like, you know, 10, 20 seconds per person. So, a lot of the people that were here this weekend were in it. The Rock was in it. He, he said congrats and everything. Um... Did the Rock have ever had anything? Yes. No. Well, yeah. Yes. Yeah. He said. No. He, he said. Also, thanks a lot for casting Mark Wahlberg instead of me. <laughs> so I thought that was funny. So, I uh, I guess this may be me feeling like they're out of touch, but I would say that at least the Transformers fans that I associate with would much much more likely to care about Sue Blue being inducted than the producer of the Transformers films. Yeah. Lorenzo Bonaventure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I feel like that is all... Well, Especially one, the VIP crowd. It is ten years, so that's one thing, but on the other hand, that's that's probably a political move. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, the His award he got was like a white plate like Super Blues, but instead of Titan Master RCs, it was a Masterpiece movie Bumblebee and a Masterpiece movie Prime. So a lot more expensive of a thing he got because that was you know around two hundred dollars they just handed him which i mean it's nothing for him but like compared to what she got i was like wow but um but but were the optimus prime or bumblebee something that he portrayed in a film no no see is sue blue yeah no i know i i much cooler yeah no that is true i i agree but like i was surprised that she just got two of a twenty-five dollar toy, and he got, you know, just several hundred dollars. Did she get like the Ultra Magnus heads, like in a little baggie or something? <laughs> I have no idea. You know, <laughs> that's a good question. I wonder what they do with those Magnus. Heads. You know, the thing with Sue Blue too, though, that often gets overlooked, and I had to I had the chance to thank her for it uh, when I talked to her today for a little bit. Was uh, her voice? You know, uh, she's a voice actress, but she's also the a voice director, director. for mm-hmm. Prime. Well, and. Prime and Beast Wars and Beast Machines. So yeah. she's oh, yeah, done three right. Transformers series, three of the good ones. The good ones. <laughs> well, two good ones in Prime. Prime was good. Prime I was like great. Prime. But before, yeah, without digressing into that conversation, <laughs> um, the, the fact is, is that she she's a bit more than you know just the voice actor. They mentioned that too, and and yeah. I think that's that's worth noting uh, that you know that she's more than just RC. Yeah, Colin made that very clear at the induction. He said that it was great to work with her and also to work like under her, like having her direct him. So they made it very clear that she did both. Uh, but the producer of the Transformers, uh, he gave a little speech 
uh, after he accepted the award, and it was a story about how he went to the hospital. And I, this is actually pretty funny. He went to the hospital, and he was having a real bad day because he was having heart problems and stuff. So he was like in a real awful mood. And his doctor explaining stuff, and he pauses for him, and he's like, "Are you the producer of the Transformers films?" Which I was surprised because. I didn't even know who he was. Like, if it was Michael Bay, I'd know who that was. But, like, this guy just knew. And he said, yeah, I am. And he was like, well, I'm a huge fan. I have 500 Transformers. My brother has 1,000. So, I had more than both, and I didn't know who he was. No, I know. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I, deal but either way, the story, he kept yeah. going. And he's like, this doctor kept going on, like, asked him about Transformers and all that. Like, hey, can you sign something for me? He's like, I'm, I'm literally on, like, the operating table. And this guy's like supposed to do stuff to me and he's asking me all these things and he's and then he's like yeah I have all these toys I also have Optimus Prime Megatron and Bumblebee boxers here let me show you and he pulled off his <laughs> pants and he was like and sure enough there was Bumblebee boxers on him he's just like and I'm sitting there in the hospital about to be like operated on and this man just pulled off his pants to show me his Bumblebee underwear <laughs> it was it was quite funny his he, response should have been nope I'm Don Murphy <laughs> yes. Don Murphy, I know. And it's like, oh, actually, if I were on the operating table, Don Murphy is not the person that I would claim to be. <laughs> um, you know, if you if you're not familiar with uh, Lorenzo de Bonaventura, uh, which you know a lot of people aren't, and I'm not really either, but I saw um, there's a great documentary. It was on Showtime for a little bit, and you can totally find it online. It was one of these Kickstarter documentaries called "The Death of Superman Lives." And it was it's a it's a piece about the failed uh, Nick Cage Tim yeah. Burton Superman. Mm-hmm. It's about an hour and a half, and he's in it because uh, he was the original producer of that. And it's great because he's interviewed in front of a bunch of Transformers stuff that he has in his office, and I don't know what some of it is. <laughs> so like, I think those are like special editions of things they only gave to the cast or the crew of the movie. And so it's just worth it to try to figure out what's on his shelves. <laughs> but you can kind of get a better idea of the man from that. Uh, let's see here. At the presentation or the Hall of Fame ceremony afterwards, there were more toy reveals, right? Yes, they had those two reveals, and we went off for dinner. And they did a, they did a raffle. Apparently, there were tickets underneath our chairs for some of us, and there was a, I'd say just over a hundred people, and seventy of us had tickets under our chairs to go get either signed Stan Bush or Mark Wahlberg stuff or toys that were on the table, and there were some pretty nice new toys. Like what? There was Masterpiece Prime from Toys R Us. There was a Trypticon. There was the new Dragonstorm leader class figure from the last night. There was all the new last night toys that aren't in stores. Um, there's some one-step changes and other stuff, too. But there the was only nice place you can will yeah, ever so The only place you'll ever see them. So I got to see them. <laughs> didn't get to touch them because I didn't win. I was I was bummed. I was like, I, it's over half the people got stuff. And I was like, and I managed to be in the under half category that didn't get stuff. See, so you like, blew your luck at the uh, I know. Tonka. I was going to say, I had good luck all day, wheel. and that's that's what I got for it. So, um, and, But then we went back down, and they, they said we were going to do Hall of Fame, then Toys, then Stan Bush. So I was like, okay, I can just be ready to get the little bit of information from the Hall of Fame. And they do straight to Toys. Like... The second we sat down, it was fast. Warden just, like, they handed Warden the PowerPoint clicker, and he just started going. I noticed that in the other toy panel, too. Like, I feel like they're deliberately fast. Like, they're going through those yeah. I was slides. surprised. Wank. But first was uh, Moon Racer, Deluxe Moon Racer. Oh, one interesting thing to say about all the toys, 
is that we didn't see renders. It wasn't renders like you typically see in official reveals. It was photographs of gray prototypes, so no colors of anything. Um, but Deluxe Moon Racer was there. She's combiner compatible, like they said. Uh, they said that the I forget which Takara designer it was, but it, he said it was his first time ever working on a, a female combiner, which he thought was interesting in the project to actually make a combiner look female. They said even though Victorian was female, it was remolded from a combiner that wasn't meant to be, so it didn't really give off that vibe too much. So they said that they're really trying to make it actually look pretty female in combined mode for all of them. But we only saw the one. Which did is they say the name of the combiner? They give no. All they, all they showed was Moonraiser. But they did imply that there's a combiner for a female combiner. So which we wouldn't know anything about. Yeah, yeah we don't know anything <laughs> about. Although we only know about three of them. Don't four. We? Oh, um, is it four? Is it Moonraiser, Alita One, um, the Fire... Was there Firestar. I forget. Yeah, I, I think Firestar, but I don't remember any others. And a, I think there was a Chromia in the the, the leaks. There was a Chromia. There was the Voyager. Oh, was there? A it's uh, Alita, Alita One. One is the Voyager, a Star Trek. And then replay. whatever the fifth character is, which I don't think we know. But uh, yeah, they said they showed nothing of that combiner. They didn't show anything for any of the combined modes because after that was uh, Ripper Snapper and Hunger. I. Hunger with the Tarn face. Yeah, Hunger, they had the face of the robot mode covered up, which I didn't understand why they would. They didn't explicitly say, we aren't finished, which I'm pretty sure is wouldn't be true anyways because it was a full gray prototype. Yeah. And so they would have the rendering done at least to be able to do a prototype. So it's not like it was missing that part. Uh, XV said, and this is the only uh, theory I've seen so far because it's only been like an hour. Uh, so I haven't seen that much yet, but he said that he thought maybe they had the wrong head sculpt on it, like whatever the potential, not necessarily like what is a guaranteed retool, but you know, they, they make at least yeah. two head sculpts per mold. So what the they he was thinking maybe they had the wrong one on there and they didn't want to give it away that it. What, did did what they it say it was a new mold, or because I've seen speculation on Twitter that it's sil the silver bolt mold retooled. Everyone's see, I don't. They didn't say that it is a new mold, but they didn't say that it isn't. Okay. So they, they gave no indication either way. Um, it looked pretty new, but I guess it's possible to reuse Silverbolt. I don't see the point in it at, for how it looked at that point, like why you'd bother with it. I mean, people have been saying that Starscream looks like a retool of like Cyclonus and Galvatronus for the torso, which is definitely not true. We know that now. But it's possible Hunger could be. Um, but they, the, most, the most important... Yeah, they didn't show Abominus, but then after that they did show Optimus Primal. Heck yeah. And so it's a deluxe Optimus Primal like he was in Season 1. He has a sword, I think, and something else. They didn't show the Gorilla Mode for that Primal, which is the deluxe, but they did show that the leader class figure is the uh, Primal Prime. Right or not optimal? Optimal. 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 Sorry, that's yeah. what I meant. optimal. Optimist. Um, so eventually, be a primal prime. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it looked super, super cool. They showed off all three modes. They said it is a triple changer, and it looked awesome. And it has a hoverboard, which is really Sweet. neat. I'm not sure if primal turns into the hoverboard, or if he goes in the chest and something else becomes the hoverboard. That wasn't made. 
they I I was confused by the way they worded it and I can't remember exactly how they said it so I'm not sure actually he was thinking that he that it does turn into the hoverboard I honestly couldn't tell because it's all gray so it's really hard to see what, what goes where but the Otto Optimus looked really neat like really really neat and they showed off some design drawings as well Mm-hmm. They also mentioned that uh, John Morden handed that project off to the other Hasbro designer who was there. He's very young and very new, is what they were saying. But he seems to actually have a decent amount of involvement with the designing of the brand now, because he's been the one drawing all the art, all the art we've seen for uh, uh, Optimus Primal so far. He's the one that's drawn all that art. And he's the one who's been on the Hasbro side of designing that toy. So. so the one thing that makes me sad about this is I, I did recently pull out and play with my Optimal Optimus. He's not going to be as big as Optimal Optimus. Nah, he's just going to be in regular leader size. He's not going to be... Now that hoverboard, does that have a cockpit? That's what it looks like. Oh, that's the cockpit for the Optimal Optimus mode. Yeah. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. So that must fold over the deluxe figure like that and clip onto the chest and the back like that because you guys can see what I'm doing yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool hey anything else that we want to talk about before we uh, call our quits uh Yogasan was there he's really cool yeah they they showed a lot of pictures that were awesome. They'll be on T formers from his presentation. He showed off the original, and this has apparently never been seen before. They haven't taken it out of the archives of Japan. The gray model prototype for the original Galvatron toy, like the original mold or something. I saw that picture. It's wooden or something. Well, they had the gray model, but then they also had the original wooden prototype, which was really neat to see. Uh, which they had under I was wondering they had this table there with a black cloth over it the whole time I was curious what the heck was under it there was like a box and then something was smaller the box was a display wasn't the Grand Max no it was the Galvatron (laughs) prototype and then there was the wooden Galvatron prototype which they showed off and it was it was pretty neat to see and he's cool he made an Optimus Prime costume that they showed it wasn't it wasn't half bad he made it in the day for a party he went to Talked about how great the party was after that, which That's I thought awesome. was funny. But it, yeah, it was neat. Did Flo Rida appear at the concert? I mean, the party that he went to. No, Stan Bush showed up afterwards, and uh, man, he's getting old. That was my impression. Says the eighteen-year-old. <laughs> I saw him last year, and like he. Man, he's, I saw him. I saw him yesterday. I thought he looked pretty okay. <laughs> I saw him last year, and like I knew he was older than you know how he'd been before, but like. He, it seems like he must have gone through a decent amount in the past year because he seemed significantly older to me, at least, this this year versus seeing him last awesome. year. Awesome. So, Anthony, tell us about your new project. Right now? Okay. <laughs> so, if you're feeling old now, you're about to feel older. Uh, so, my new project, I'm working on a, uh, a podcast called Transformers University. Uh, it's presented by my site, tfu.info, and uh, it's chronicling the history of Transformers and trying to take a look at it through a lens of not just this is what happened, but more of what went on around it and uh, what contributed to it. So our first episode is about 1984 and what um, the world and well, what the United States was like in 84 and what, what was going on technologically and culturally uh, that made Transformers a success. And then I sat down with Jim Shooter uh, and I've also 
gone over the 84 toy line and I've got some big and uh, different and fun interesting things to come very cool well guys thanks for being here thank you we, thank you this will be our last show from Hascon so tune in this Wednesday, year this year yeah. Tune in Wednesday, uh, September 13th uh, for the live stream of Radio Free Cybertron 536. We'll see you then. <laughs>